It is wonderful to be back with you today. It's always uh, strange to be somewhere else on a Sunday morning. Uh, It's good to have believers in every part of the world and to go and be with them, but um, I hope you're like me and that your thoughts are always um, back with the family here, and you're thinking... Right now they're getting started, right? You know, and uh, right now Jerry's preaching. To have those thoughts, it's just a wonderful thing and wonderful, wonderful feeling to be back with you. I always miss you when I'm gone. Uh, today we're continuing on with our 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 look, our sermons being from the scriptures that we're reading during the week, and if you're um, not doing the scripture reading, that's fine, but if, uh, if, if you can, continue to keep up, and, it, and I'm, I'm sure it's interesting and meaningful to have preached something that you've read during the, uh, during the past week. I guess I'm going to need a little more light up here, and the title of the lesson is uh, an indication of why we might need this candle. So uh, your your attention might be drawn there a little bit. For some reason, a little even just the smallest of flame is is something that can kind of draw us and attract us and kind of even at, at times mesmerize us, I guess. And hopefully, um, this little flame will be memorable to us and that we'll remember uh, what Jesus calls us to do and that we will do it. And that's the essence of the lesson today is that we are to be fruitful, we are to be shining the light of the kingdom, and the essence of all that Jesus did is that he said, hear the word and do it. That's what we're called to, is to listen and do. Listen and do. So I I hope that every time that, that anyone stands in this pulpit and preaches, I hope we're reminded that we need to be doing something. And that is the desire that Jesus has for us, is for, for us to do something for his glory, for the glory of the Father. Uh, because as you read through here, and as we're now in Luke, and we're hearing for the third time Jesus talking about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He came to establish a kingdom, and when you go back and look, and if you consider even just two verses from the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, you can go there and look, and you'll see that uh, Daniel foretold of a day that there would be a kingdom, a kingdom that would be established by the Son of Man. That Son of Man would be, he would have dominion over the entire earth, over all Nations over all peoples, all languages, Jesus, or the Son of Man, the one to come, he would have dominion. He would reign over all people, the entire world. So the kingdom that was to come was to be a big one, a powerful kingdom. And so from the standpoint of, from a worldly standpoint, somebody would say, boy, what kind of military might, what kind of military strategy would that take to conquer the world? But Jesus comes as the Son of Man, and when he starts coming, when he starts talking and describing the kingdom, he doesn't describe what we would expect for a military strategy to conquer the world with 
with the armies and swords and, you know, literal things, but he does talk spiritually about a kingdom that would require his followers to be fruitful and shiny. So he calls individuals to to be fruitful and shiny. We understand that nowadays, but can you imagine back then if you're expecting a mighty military to come and conquer the entire world and put make all nations subdued to uh, to Israel? Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world. Well, spiritually, that's what Jesus did. And now we look back on it. Now we, as we read, it's we we're the ones who who have the full understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom. And so now we can see Jesus' strategy for worldwide domination. And it's still the strategy for today, and that is what we're going to consider today. And it's uh, from Luke chapter 8, verses 11 through 21, but in particular we're going to look at verses 15 and 16, primarily those verses. And, for, and as we look here and we see this, we can understand now that the strategy for worldwide domination is really it's one soul at a time, or one person at a time, if you'd like. So following along on the outline that you have there on the paper, first of all, this Jesus' strategy is to affect one person at a time, one soul at a time. That's how he's going to save the world. It's one soul at a time. And so as we look at this and we see the parable that's being the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils, the parable of the seed, whatever you want to call this, he began talking about that in Luke chapter 8, um, starting in verse number 5. He explains the parable in verse number 11. And notice it says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So here's the seed, it's the word of God, those beside so those, so it's, he starts talking about people. People who hear the word, whether they are going to believe or not, how the word of God is going to affect them. So this is the strategy for worldwide domination. It's one soul at a time, one person at a time, hearing the word of God. And of course, if you think about, if you're thinking about military strategy from the standpoint of um, worldwide domination, one soul at a time. Well, the sword, it's the spirit, the word of God that cuts, um, cuts deeply, divides deep. So it's, that's the, this is the weapon. It's the truth. The weapon is truth. These are spiritual things, spiritual truth, battling against the, uh, the forces of darkness and evil and the lies that Satan brings. So it's one soul at a time, and the battle is, it takes place, as we're going to see, in the hearts of men. So number one for this strategy is to hear the word. So the other ones are ones who have hear, heard the word, but they are not really doing so. But everybody hears the word, and the question is, what's going what's to happen next? But hear the word, the strategy, and look at verse number 15. It says, but the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. I thought it was interesting, the, um, the latest NIV, I think, really has a great translation here, and they, um, they kind of fit it with the original really well. 
but all the points are the same, no matter which translation you have. You've got to hear the word. That's the sowing part, is hearing the word. The word goes forth. The word is spread. You've got to hear the word. Obviously, you're here today for a reason. It's because you believe that word, or you at least have heard the word, and you're wondering about it. Hearing the word. The word is everything. The word is truth. So as we uh, we gather here today, it happens to be that this... Uh, this candle is sitting on a Bible, it's propping it up, um, and the, the word is, it's the truth, here it is, it's, we have the word, we got to hear this word, um, we spoke a few weeks back, I don't know how long ago, but I, I remember it's, it's every word that matters, right, you aren't just going to pick a single word out of here, the whole thing is the word of God, the Bible is God's word, hear it, listen to it. That's why it's so important for us now to be a people who are digging into the Word. And I love that we're, a lot of us are reading the Bible together because we're, we're acknowledging the fact that this is everything. Hear the Word of God. Hear it all. And right now we're looking in the New Testament, but we've got to dig into all of it. It is all God's Word. We need to understand the truth. It's all about Jesus. It all points us to Jesus. So let us hear the word, that word of truth. And number two, have an honest and good heart. So here is the, the thing that was lacking in the previous folks that the word went to. Uh, those folks, uh, whether they didn't believe initially, whether it kind of got choked off or whether it just persecution came and they fell away. They didn't have the good heart to receive that word. So have a good and honest heart. Here is the strategy of Jesus is to connect with folks who have hearts who are ready to receive because they've got a good heart. They have an honest and good heart. It was interesting. I, I looked up. I was kind of curious what the... Um, Greek word or the root part of that word was for honest, because it says honest and good heart in the New American Standard. The main uh, translation for that first word was good. <laughs> so it's almost like saying have a good and good heart, in the, if you read it in the Greek. Have a good and good heart. It could, somebody could have translated it that way. But that point is clear. you got to have, have a, a heart that is ready. Don't, don't have a heart that's filled with conceit or lies. Have a, have a, a heart that is the soil ready to hear, ready to have that word fall in there and just start sprouting and growing, a, a fertile soil, a fertile heart, ready to listen, ready to do what God asks us to do. A heart that's ready to hear about G God sending his own son, Jesus Christ, his precious son who was perfect to die on the cross, to take our, our place on the cross. Be ready to hear that and understand, as one of our songs said, uh, I think it relayed this morning, it's, um, no, there's no, help me to understand that, that love when, when he went to the cross. The song we sang before communion, it was, you know, that's the word, that's the understanding that we need to have is that Jesus died to take our place. Help me to understand that kind of love. Have a heart that is seeking love. You can't find love anywhere else. You aren't going to find peace and joy anywhere else except in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Seek that. Understand that. 
have that heart that is ready to, to grab hold of that kind of love. Have an honest and good heart. And then third is hold it fast. So as we read, as we read verse number 15 again, I'll read it in its entirety this time so I get it all. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. That idea of hold it fast, grab hold tight, don't let go. You're not going to be like the seed that when persecution comes, it's like, ah, I'm done. You know, don't be like the seed when, when, when the riches come. You're like, oh, I'm, I'd rather, I'll kind of hold on to this Bible thing, this Jesus thing. I'll kind of hold on to that, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to the riches too, or I'm going to worry about this stuff too, because you really, Jesus says you can't hold on to two things. You can't serve God and money. You've been reading through Luke this week. You've, been, you've heard a lot about money. Jesus saying you better be careful with what you have. You need to be responsible with what you use. This uh, unrighteous mammon, this worldly wealth. We try, you know, we grab hold of Jesus, but then we try, come back to life and we start trying to live life like everybody else. Trying to, you can't hold on to them both. Our arms aren't that long, I guess. You know, we got, we're going to hold on to the one, or we're going to hold on to the other. And the the weeds that were planted. In the thorns, they're the ones who worries come. Well, they, they end up letting go of Jesus because they're just holding on to worries and wealth and riches. And um, that's verse number 14. The seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life. They're living just like everybody else in the world. They grabbed hold of Jesus and they grew up. And they haven't actually, from the standpoint of being a plant, they haven't died. But they don't bear fruit. Because they're holding on to the other stuff. Riches, worries, pleasures. They're more interested in living life in this world than grabbing hold of Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, you want to be a part of my kingdom, let him take up, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So we've got to let go of the junk and grab hold of Jesus. Hear the word, the truth of Jesus and hold it fast. Hold it fast. Man, we've got to dig into this word because that's how we're going to hold fast. We've got to embrace the truth. We've got to embrace Jesus. We've got to love him more than life itself. We've got to love him more than, than we love. Well, in, in the case of Jesus, we're going to see here uh, to love, love Jesus more than we even love our own family, perhaps. That's... That's commitment. That is being all in. To go back to the very first sermon, that when we started our Bible reading, the first sermon was from a question. What does it mean when Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead? 
Radical commitment. You know, you might have some good excuse, you think, for, you know, turning away from Jesus or defining Jesus as however you want to do and, and putting him in the box of what you think is all right. But, but Jesus says, you've got to come follow me. Come follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead and come follow me. Radical commitment. No matter how you understand what he means by G- when he said, you know, let the dead bury their own dead, the point is going to be the same. He said that to say that you have got to be radically committed to me. No longer hold on to the things of life, the things of your past, the things that you counted most important in your life. They don't matter anymore compared to Jesus. You will grab hold of him cling to him, hold fast to him, embrace him with all of your might. Embrace that truth in Jesus. So hold it fast. That's what a good and honest heart is going to do. That's what the good soil is going to do. Grab hold of Jesus. And then when you do that, you're living life in Christ Jesus, you're digging into his word, you're 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 going to be bearing fruit then with perseverance. Hold fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Bear fruit with steadfastness or patience. Not giving up. Not being like the the seed that's choked. Not being like the seed that, that, uh, that dies when persecution comes. Not being anything like that, but holding fast. Persevering, steadfast in the truth. Clinging to it, holding on to it no matter what may come. That is the fruit. And so with this point, I want to go down to, if if you're looking at the outline, that first box, because I want to ask this again. And this is a concept that we've looked at. Probably at this point, if you're sitting out there and you don't say, we're talking about this again, then you haven't been listening. Okay, so yes, we are talking about it again because this is the crux of it. This is Jesus talking about his kingdom and he's saying that this is all that's ma- that matters is that you hear my word and you do what it says and when you do what it says, you're going to be bearing fruit. So I want to talk about this one more time. What is spiritual fruit? Okay, because Jesus, as, he, as he's talking about plants growing, he's probably creating a picture in the, in the people's mind of a real plant growing up. Maybe it's something like wheat. You know, it's a grain that's growing up that's going to be harvested later, that's going to yield uh, so many fold. Um, when we typically talk about fruit, we think of an apple on a tree or a peach and we grab it and eat it. That's fruit also. But you can think about a grain, you can think about any kind of fruit that you want to think about. But what is it in our lives? What is fruit? When the Spirit comes and we let the Spirit in, we got this good heart, what's what's it going to do? What's it going to look like? So, two things. Number one, is your changed life. Fruit is your changed life. This is what differentiates you from the previous soil that is mentioned, the soil, the seed that was sown among the thorns. That seed grew up, did not bear fruit, but the plant was there. Um, Mom was down a a few weeks ago uh, to visit, and uh, we were talking about crops and stuff, and she said that 
the, the corn, this year the corn, we've had so little rain, the corn only has one ear of corn on it instead of two. And I was like, I don't even, I thought they'd had several more than two. But anyhow, we got up for the, the wedding last week and I went over, walked over to the corn and I was like, sure enough, there's, every stalk has one ear of corn on it out in the field. Um, it's not ready to harvest yet. It's still out there for another month or two. Um, and so Holly ended up saying, she said, I, I looked around too, and I found some that actually had two on it, but when it had two on it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't any good. It didn't have enough, to, enough nutrient, enough rain, enough water to produce two ears of corn, but the ones that limited themselves to one ear of corn, it turned out good, right? So it's this idea of fruit, and now I've taken myself off. What was I talking about? <laughs> so here, the idea of fruit, bearing fruit, Changed life. You can be a plant that grows and actually bears fruit, or if you're not getting enough water, enough nutrients, or whatever, if you're being choked out by weeds, you're just going to grow up and be a plant. Do you want to be a plant, or do you want to bear fruit? God says, bear fruit. Your life is going to bear fruit if you do what I say, if you listen to me. So that, your life is changed. You're different from the world. You're not... Seeking pleasure. You're not worried about things. You're clinging to Jesus. That's your life. The fact that you cling to Jesus in your life and hold on to Him, that is fruit. The fact that you're studying and hearing God's Word and living according to it, that is fruit. That's bearing fruit in your life. It is a changed life. It is a good life. It is a life at peace with God. That is fruit. Doing what God says. Consider verse number 21. Jesus, in verse 19, just quickly, and his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, and it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are outside standing, wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother... And my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Hear the word of God and do it. You want to bear fruit in your life. You want the fruit of God working in your life. Hear what he says and do it. And notice, Jesus is even, in that example, he's given, him, given himself as an example because he's kind of saying, you know, that there's something more important. He's not saying, and don't misunderstand me, he's not saying you've got to literally hate your family and run away from them. But he's saying, compared to doing the word of God and hearing the word of God, my family doesn't matter anymore to me compared to that. Obviously, his family, his mother was important to him. She was standing at the cross. He asked her to be cared for. By John, you know, this is your mother. Take care of her. You know, he so as he didn't literally hate her, but compared to the gospel, compared to the mission of teaching others to hear the word of God and obey it, that was the most important thing. He was bearing fruit because he left everything behind. He calls us to do the same. Live for Jesus. Hear about, have that good heart that you're going to hear about Jesus and hold fast to Him. That's the change. That is spiritual fruit. 
Okay, now, but there's another part of spiritual fruit, I think. So still in that box, what is spiritual fruit? Other lives changed. So we can talk about your life being changed, but when you have God's word in your life, there is also going to be the spiritual fruit of other lives being changed through you. Kingdom growth. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 8, it's the same parable, but Jesus relates that the 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 crop is going to yield some 30 times or 60 times or maybe even 100 times as much as what was sown. 30, 60, or 100. You, you know, if I, if I look at those numbers and I'm thinking about souls, I'm thinking about the fact that Jesus calls me to do kingdom things. Well, what's the kingdom about? It's about saving souls. So I should be a part of that. Is it possible to to think about me reaching 30 people in my lifetime and helping them come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and accept him as a savior and bearing fruit in their lives then? I would I would this seems possible, doesn't it? Maybe some 60 people in my lifetime that one person could bring 30 or 60 or maybe even 100 people to Christ. I believe that God can do that through me. I believe that God could do that through each one of you. You know, God gives us uh, 80 years. How many, how many people would you have to, to reach each year? How many people would you have to try and affect? You know, let's say one out of 100 are going to be accepting of the good news. Then we better be talking a lot about Jesus. We need to, but that's who we are. If we are clinging to him, what else are we going to talk about? Are we, are we clinging more to the Bengals or to the Reds or to, what else do we, the weather? You know, what do we talk about? What's important to us? Do we, when we greet people, do we see them as souls? When we see them walking along the street, are we thinking, Look at how that person's dressed. What a goofball. Or are we thinking that is a soul, someone that needs Jesus? And maybe they already are, are saved. Maybe they're my brother or sister in Christ. Souls, it is one soul at a time. It is Jesus coming to seek and save the lost. Let's be a part of this. Let's bear spiritual fruit. Let's change our lives. Let's have this word affect us and change us. And let us do what we are called to do. And to go into all the world. Make disciples of all men. Teaching them. Baptizing them. Let us do it. Let us bear fruit with perseverance. And number five. So let, here what the, here's got Jesus' strategy so far. I've got to finish up here. I, I got the advantage of having a couple minutes extra at the beginning. Uh, I think I came up here and relaxed and said, I'm just going to preach. I don't... Getting a little log, though, huh? Okay, so this is one soul at a time. We are to hear the word. We are to have an honest and good heart so that we can hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. And then we go to verse number 16. Jesus kind of changes pictures here, and we're familiar with that picture of light. But he says in verse number 16, Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a new with a container or puts it under a bed but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light now beginning to verse number 16 jesus doesn't say oh and let me change gears here he doesn't say let's have a new topic let's talk about something different he has just talked about you and your life bearing fruit 
And then he says this about don't take a lamp and hide it. You don't light a lamp, don't light a candle, and then cover it up. So when you're bearing fruit, don't try to, to hide it. We should be doing our good deeds so that God can be glorified. And the, there is this subtle difference you have to know in your mind. Are, are you doing something to be seen by men? Or are you doing something so that other people can see it and glorify God? So there is this thing where, you know, if I'm, if I'm being a light, am I doing it so I can be a light? Or am I just shining forth good deeds so that God can be glorified? Uh, Only you can know that. Only you can tell. And Jesus, God will know. But let the fruit be seen. Jesus is saying, don't try and hide God's good work in your life. Really, it it seems like that should be obvious. That it would be impossible. That if we're living like Jesus, Jesus... Uh, you know, he, he, was, he was this humble character who did so many good deeds and said, he was even saying, don't, don't tell anybody, you know, don't tell anybody, you know, just, just go to the priest, show him that you're clean, but don't tell that you're clean, you know. But people went everywhere and reported what he had done. So he was humble, he was a good example, but yet he was letting the Father shine through him. When people looked at him, They saw the Father, and he said as much. And when people see us, they've got to be able to see Jesus. Don't hide that. It should be obvious and apparent. I think of, you know, Jonathan sitting here on the front. One of the things he says in his prayers is, let it be, let us be obviously, obviously, uh, Christians, believers. Let it be obvious to everyone. Let it be obvious. We must do that. Let your fruit be seen. And that, the, second, the second box there lines up with that. Don't deny others. The reason we need to let our light shine, the reason we need our fruit to... And here, fruit is food, right? Fruit is food. It's to sustain life. Fruit gives life. Whether you're picturing grain in your mind or a fruit tree, an apple that you bite into, it's food. You're going to make bread with it or you're going to pick it up and crunch on it. It, Fruit is food. It sustains life. That picture from Psalm 23 is a good one. Is that, um, you know, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. As God is blessing me, it overflows. It's filling over. It spills forth. Others can see it. Others can. There's enough for everyone. I want my life to to be filled with God's blessing so much that it overflows and others can enjoy it too. We should be, fruit is that food, and we've got to be sharing that kind of fruit. That's what we must be, and we can't deny others from life-giving, life-sustaining food. We need to share with them the message also, the truth. Fruit is also seed. Again, whether it's an apple in the core of it, there's a seed because if you bury it, It's going to grow an apple tree. Uh, Maybe not the ones we buy in the store. I'm not sure about that. They've been worked. But anyhow, you take wheat or corn. You bury it. It's going to grow more corn, more wheat. Fruit is seed. It creates more life. So don't deny others. Don't hide from others. Don't take this away from others. 
You don't light a lamp or a candle and then cover it up. It's there for everybody. It's there to be seen. The city on a hill. It's what we are to be. Shine forth the light of God. Let others see your life and understand there is something good about God. Let them see. Let them enjoy the fruit that God is producing in your life. So whether, you know, when you think about Jesus, you think about your favorite thing about him. Whatever it might be, you know, what is your favorite thing about Jesus? Your favorite story, your favorite words, your favorite occasion, you know. Think about that. And then think about God wants to use that to, he wants to replicate the same thing somehow in your life. If you loved it when God fed the 5,000, then be somebody who feeds people. And when you feed people, you're going to glorify God in it somehow. If you loved it when Jesus walked on water, you know, then be a person so full of faith that you believe all things and you bear all things. You know, and you're going to be a person who lives like that. Have faith like that. If, if you love that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, then be a, be a person, be a believer in Jesus who, who wants to share that wonderful truth with others so that they can also believe and be saved. Let Christ shine in your life. Bear fruit for Him. And how do you do it? You listen and do. And if you're not listening and doing, you better be ready for a bad day on Judgment Day. Verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. We will be held accountable. I've got six things listed here as a strategy, but it could be simplified as you hear and you do. You better have the heart ready to listen, the heart ready to obey. And if you, instead of holding on, holding fast to it, holding fast to Jesus, you turn to other junk, you better be ready. Judgment day is not going to be pretty. Take care to listen. Take care to do. Jesus died for you. And he calls you to follow him. He calls you to forget about the junk. And come follow him. And you will find peace. You will find joy. You will find love that you can find nowhere else. He offers that to you. Don't turn away from him. Give him your life. If you need to come to Jesus, do it today. Come to him. Won't you please do so as we stand together and sing.
Have thine affections been...